Okay, I'd like to um, talk about something that seems to be a little uh, off, but I think will turn out to be quite important, and that is the prohibition against sacrificing children to Molech. Molech was the name of a god, of a, of a uh, call them gods, Molech. And we'll see. So the Pasuk says, Don't give your descendants to Molech. And you will not, you will not produce a, a situation of Chilul Shem Hashem, of making, the, of embarrassing, insulting God's name, Ani Hashem. That's what, that's what the Pasuk says. Uh, Molech is in the Tanakh, is quite well known. It appears again and again, and also in the Chumash appears more than once. Rashi says, Molech is Avodah Shema Molech. That means that in terms of the larger category, the larger category is called Avodah And naturally we have the, the question, or you might ask the question, why? If it's Avodah Zarah, does it get separate, a separate uh, uh, listing? And we know there are Dinei Avodah Zarah. If you study the Rambam's collection of Hilchot Avodah Zarah, the Rambam doesn't tell you the names of Avodah Zarah. He tells you what Avodah Zarah is about, how it's done, what are the... What are the uh, uh, the ways in which Avodazara is worshipped. But you don't have to, you have to say, like the, the Chazal said that when Mordechai wouldn't bow down to Haman, remember? Mordechai wouldn't bow down to Haman. It was because Haman was wearing an idol around his neck. Now, the Chachamim don't have to say, what that idol was, or what religion it belonged to. And we all understand that there's Avodah Zarah, yet the Torah is very careful to tell us that there's a specific Avodah Zarah called Molech, and we know that the Avodah of Molech was do not give uh, children to Molech. I mean, the verb la'avir, to pass through, is a bit difficult. I mean, what, what is it that you did with these children, La'avir? I mean, usually you think that, that uh, what you did with the children was you burnt them. You gave them, you sort of made a sacrifice out of them. But La'avir, the verb La'avir means something else. Uh, and that's what Rashi will speak to us about. So first Rashi says this, Avodah Molech. I'm sorry, the Ramban quotes Rashi. I'm sorry, the Ramban says, What shem In English, definite article. Like, how do you say definite article in Hebrew? Ha. Right, that's the definite. That's the definite article. How do you know? But where's the la? Where's the ha? Where is the ha? Oh, you have to send you all back to Ulpan. 
Where is the ha in the word la molech? What? Oh? In other words, the the heyadiyah gets swallowed up, but it leaves as an inheritance the vowel. So la molech is comes from le ha molech. So you know, in Hebrew you could say both. You could say le molech to some unspecified molech, or la molech, which means a specific kind of molech. So Rashi said, Abi the Ramban said. He says the reason that the Torah wrote the word with the definite article was because in Mitzrayim people had already heard about this idolatry. So it was like the Torah said, you know, to the to the Molech that you know about. To the Molech that you know about. That's the the Rabbi Avraham Amar Ki Milkum. There was a there's a mention of uh, idolatry in um, in uh, Malachim in the book of Malachim called Milkum to Avat b'nei Ammon, who was the idolatry of the Ammonites, right? Ammon Moab were the people who lived on the eastern side of the Jordan River, right? The the the, the uh, nations called Ammon and Moab, and Ammon, the idol, the primary idol in Ammon was Milkom, and the Ibn Ezra says, well, that's that's Molech, the same letters, the same consonants. Shikutz b'nei Ammon, the idolatry of Ammon, the gam hu lahem, and the Jews leaving Mitzrayim also knew about that, and therefore. The Ramban says there's Hayyidiyah, the definite article. Vikatav Rashi, Vizohi Avodatan. Rashi adds, this is the Rashi that the Ramban quotes, Shemoser binola komarim, va komarim osim shtein midurot gidolot, umavirita ben veraglav, ben shtein midurot haish. So Rashi quoting the Gemara, the Gemara in Sanhedrin says that. You give the uh, the boy, the son, the child, to the komarim. Komarim are the priests, the the people who serve the a komer. A komer is the name of a priest, of a non a non Jewish priest. Komarim, a komarim. Osim shtei the komarim. They make two uh, uh, two fires. They build two fires. Gidolot. And they take the child and they pass him through the, uh, uh, the two fires, holding on to his legs, somehow or another. Uh, then the Ramban goes on and says, You see the words lo titain? Mizaracha lo titain. So, in other words, he's explained to us so far what la molech means. And he's explained to us, explained to us what lahavir means, and now he's going to explain to us why the verb lo titain, titain means to place, right? Put. Why should that be used? Zel komarim. He says this is the act of giving the child to the priests of the idolatry. Lo titain. Don't give. So that means what you do is you give, if you're if you're doing that that avodah. Why did it say That's according to Rashi. 
you're passing through the two fires. And the Ramban says, this always a rule in the Ramban. When he quotes Rashi, it's to disagree with him. Right? Even though the Ramban had a very high regard for Rashi, as he himself says, the Ramban says in his introduction, if you ever have a chance, you look at the beginning of the Breshit, in the introduction that the Ramban wrote to his commentary, the short poetic introduction, there's a poem that the Ramban wrote. Those days everybody wrote poems. Uh, uh, so in that poem, in that poem he writes that he depends on Rashi and Ibn Ezra to give him the primary interpretation of the Chumash. But that doesn't mean that he can't disagree with them. Right? He's like, but he disagrees, he says, uh, he says I, I, I disagree out of love. It's a kind of love thing. So here he says, It's like, it's like on Purim, you have this kind of uh, like happy time, you know, uh, you dance around fires. You know, people juggle, they throw fiery things in the air and catch them. And so that's, that's what it means. You don't pass the child in between two fires, but you put the child into the fire. You actually put him into the fire. That's why the Pasuk uses these verbs. Put him in and pass him through and pass him through the fire. Uh, that that you the chiyuv in other words it ought to be chayav on anything you have to know what's the maaseh what is the precise thing that you have to do in order to be chayav uh, the the punishment so he says you have to give it to the komer and pass it through the the fires that's the correct interpretation. And not what Rashi said. Rashi seemed to imply that you don't actually kill anybody. You just pass them through the fires, the two fires, you pass them through. The Rabban says, no, 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 you got to really do the job. And, and, and Rashi said, you give the child to the priest, and the priest does it, sticks the kid into the fire. And Rashi also says the same thing in Sanhedrin, where, where, where it's not perfectly clear what happens. This is a very important line in the Rabban. He says that the Rashi is wrong. He says, he says, how could Rashi be right? How could the Torah say that the father is high of the death penalty, right, has to get the death penalty if, uh, uh, I'm sorry, if he didn't do it, who did it? Who did it? The priest did it. So why should he be high of anything? He's at worst, he's a, 
He's somebody who aided and abetted, but he didn't do anything. And the Pasuk says, no, it was in the fire. So you see there's a machloket, the machloket between Rashi and uh, Rashi and the Ramban about what did the guy do? What is the melacha of sacrificing the child to Molech? That's the first, the first thing that we, that we learn. This is Perikyut Chet. Then further on in Perikav Kaf, it says in the in the Psukim, Ish Ish means each and every one. Right? It's like each, even though it's not any different because it says Ish Avivi Moti Rau. So it means every single person. But in Hebrew, in Hebrew, like there might be a, a drosha that's different, but in Hebrew, you could say Ish, meaning every single person. And you could say ish ish, meaning every single person. Here the Pasuk says ish ish Yisrael Yisrael. Okay, Ger Hagarbi Yisrael is always that's difficult, like the status of the Ger. Person who does this, Dino Mitats, like Chilul Shabbat, and Am Haaretz, Am Haaretz meaning the people, all the people, not people who have no learning, not necessarily people who don't have learning, but Amharits, all the people, not Rabbanim, not Dayanim, not Eidim, not the special people involved in the case, but just Amharits, Yegemuhu Ba'avan, they stone him. et Panai Ba'ishahu, listen to the Pasuk, very important, et Panai Ba'ishahu, I will tell, put my face to this person, vichrati otomi kerevamo, karet, he will be cut off, he won't be able to benefit from olam haba, vichrati otomi kerevamo, ki mizarona tan lamolech, it's like a repeating it, it's like he did it, and then the pasuk said, because he did it, he's going to get this terrible punishment, leman tamet mikdashi, ulechalel et Shein Kochi. It says Lamantame et Mikdashi, which means what does that mean, Lamantame et et Mikdashi? Well it sounds like we're talking about the Beta Mikdash. What does it have to do with the with Tuman Beta? What does it have to do with the Beta Mikdash? What is the what is the Tame et Mikdashi or the Khalel et Shein Kochi? Also a, a terrible accusation, but what does it have to do with Avodazara? I mean, of course, every time you do an Avera, you're denying God's authority. You're making light of the obligation. But what, why is it specifically applied also to this case? <coughs> okay, let's look at the Rashi. Uh, Rashi Pasuk Gimel. Pasuk is less uh, significant for us. Etenet Panai. Right, you see, Ani Etenet Panai Ba'ishahu. I tell it, but I'll give my face. I'll give my face, like you could explain it as being, I will give attention to this. I will pay attention to this. But why specifically this Avera? What's the connection to Panai? What's the connection to Panai? Ani atayin it Panai. Panai sheli. Pone ani 
מכל איס עסקאי ועוסק בו. So Rashi says that the word panai here doesn't mean my face, but it means like zman panui. Panai means my, my, my free time, right? Which is certainly interesting. Uh, so Rashi does two things. Besides telling us what the word means, Rashi also tells us what the word does not mean. What does the word not mean according to Rashi? Face. In, in other words, Rashi doesn't like the idea that the word face is used for something terrible. Right? God is going to punish in a very severe way. He says, what does that have to do with God's face? Ki bi'or panecha natata lanu tarat chayim avat chesed. As we say that every day, several times a day. Ki bi'or panecha panim is always associated with positive, with, uh, with happy, with uh, uh, understanding. Ki bi'or panecha natata lanu. It's better than just regular natati, regular giving, giving ba'or panecha. So Rashi says it's not that kind of panim, it's panay sheli, right? Panay sheli. So Rashi says, Kim mizar o natan la molech. You see the last, the further down, the next Rashi. There's a pasuk in Dvarim that mentions Bino Ubito, right? Unlike our psukim, which only mention Bino or Zaro. He says, Ben Bino Uben Bito Menayin, Tamud Lomar, Kimi Zaro Natan Lamolech. Zera means descendants. One generation, two generations, any, any number of generations. Zera pasul minayin. What about children or grandchildren that are in the category of pasul? Mamzerim, for example. Talmud loma betito mi molech. Zaro includes everything. Right? Any kind of, any kind of descendants. And then finally, the last Rashi, Leman Tameit Mikdashi. You see the words of the pasuk? All of his inheritors, right? Just like Talmud Torah, right? You know that the midst of Talmud Torah is you have to teach Bino, you have to teach your son, and you all that also includes Ben Bino, and that includes everybody's son, right? This is all drashot in the in the Gemara, right? Everybody's son is included. You have to teach everybody. So, Leman Tameh Mikdashi et Knesset Yisrael. Rashi changes the puzzle. Mikdashi sounds like it means Beit HaMikdash, doesn't it? I mean, you could in a far-fetched manner say that Mikdashi, the place of my, my temple, is Knesset Yisrael, but it's not obvious. Shehim Mikudeshed Li, Knesset Yisrael, the Jewish people, are somehow sanctified uh, to God. There's another possibly Rashi says the same kind of interpretation might take place. So we see in this Rashi, we see two things that are noteworthy. One is the interpretation of the word Kanai, right? And the second is the interpretation of the word that Mikdashi, where Rashi changes, 
Rashi changes the simpler or more obvious pshat of the words into some other into some other pshat, and we could speculate as we did by Panay why Rashi did that. But it's important to take note of that. It's important to take note of that because that's going to affect the way we understand it. Okay? The next section is Vayikra Perikafala. Now this doesn't have so much to do obviously with what we are talking about, but it'll be understood later on. Right? There's a Kohen Gadol. He has a special status and he's determined, we determine who he is by the oil that is that anoints him. Shemen HaMishcha and gave him this opportunity to wear the special clothes. Special clothes he wore eight, they eight bigadim, right? They wore special clothing, special meaning more special than the regular Kohanim. The regular Kohanim wore four articles of clothing every day when they did the Avodah, and the Kohen Gadol ate. So he said, Ed Lo Lo Yifra. Okay, he has to keep himself, uh, he, you know, he's like a king. Like, you know, the, the Gemara says that the king should take a haircut every day. And, uh, because he has to look like a king. He has to look like a king if you, if you like watch the pictures of, uh, of Queen Elizabeth, right? There's no way that I could ever understand where she has enough room to store the hats. <laughs> I mean, how can you how can you wear a different hat every day? And then I assume she puts them someplace. I mean, I know she has a lot of rooms, but just to have rooms for hats seems unreasonable to me. But but there she is, a new hat every day. In other words, she has a standard. She has a standard, and that's her standard. Hat a day. Uh, Which affects, by the way, the women who go to shul in the United Synagogue in England. If you ever go to an English shul that has a, you know, an old-time balcony, or usually they have balconies, because the shuls in England uh, are old-style. They're old. They're new-style people and old-style shuls. So the shuls, the shuls that you see, the women, they all have Queen Elizabeth's hats. What? They were? They're not looking. They're you looking? Are not looking. No, no, I investigate. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, looking. And look at hats. <laughs> so it's, it's, a, it's absolutely amazing to my mind. But in any event, the Kohen Gadol, Leboshadab Begadim, and Josholo Yifrab, Begadablo Yifrab, you can't let anything, you, you can't wear old stuff. It's always new, new stuff. Val called the Shot Mate Loyavo, La Vivalimo Loyitama. He should not have anything to do with the dead, dead bodies, not even He should not go out of the Beit HaMikdash. He should not do um, things uh, that are not allowed in the Mikdash. He is, after all, the Anointed One. The Kohen Gadol. Ishabit Sulel Yikat should marry a virgin, Almanag Bushabhalazonat Ela Dlohikah. He should not marry a widower, a widow, uh, a divorced woman, 
Chalala, uh, someone who's born of, uh, of an unacceptable relationship, Chalala Zona, et Eile lo yikach, ki betula be'amav yikach isha, velo yichalel zar'o be'amav, ki ani Hashem v'kadosho. Lo yichalel zar'o be'amav. Lo yichalel, yichalel means he should not, uh, I'm looking for a good word in English. Okay, desecrate. I know that's my word, but but you get the idea, right? Lo yichalel zar'o. Now, what does that mean? What is lo yichalel zar'o be'amav? So Rashi says, if you look at the last Rashi on Pasuk Tetvav, lo yichalel zar'o ha'im nasa achat min absulot. If he marries somebody that he shouldn't marry, zar'o hemena chalal midin kedushat kuna. That the the children born of that union are called chalalim, and they cannot serve in the Beit Hamikdash. A chalal can't serve in the in the Beit Hamikdash. So so these these psukim these psukim uh, indicate a special connection between the Kohen Gadol and the Beit Hamikdash. That his obligation to the Beit Hamikdash precedes his obligation to his father, to his mother, to other relatives. And if they die, if they die, he, he has to remain connected to the Beit HaMikdash and cannot stop that connection and take up uh, the burial of even his, his closest relatives. That's what it, it says. There's a pasuk in Dvarim, Perik Yudchet Pasuk Yud. You see, you see that uh, the next pasuk? Lo say. So the chidush in this pasuk is that ma'avir b'no b'toba esh. That's what we're talking about. Someone who passes the pen or bat in through the fire is equal to kosein k'samim onein menachesh mitchashev. These are all magicians, uh, magicians or people who actually claim a closeness to God and awareness and knowledge of what God wants of us. Like, like Bilam. Bilam was, was in this category. That was Bilam. He said, I can, I can arrange it. I can arrange, uh, uh, I can arrange it that God will curse the Jews. I can arrange it that God will, will approve of what we're doing. All of that, all of that is Ma'onein and Menachesh, etc. Rashi. Rashi ma'avir b'no b'toba esh he avodat ha'molech. Rashi said that's the molech that we were talking about. Osem medurot esh mikano mikano ma'avirot ben shneim. So Rashi says the same thing that he said before, and we know the Rabban had certain objections to this interpretation. Kosem kisamim. You see the Rashi pasuk yud. Kosem kisamim. Ezehu kosem. What is a magician? You hold on to a, they used to call it a divining stick. You know, in the olden days, they say they had these sticks, and they would tell you where the gold was buried. I mean, like you paid the guy, and he told you where the gold was buried, and before you could dig a big hole, he ran away, because it didn't usually work out. But they called it a divining stick. And if you had one, you could earn a good, a good living. Of course, the guys who, the, no one ever said, how come the guys with the divining stick are not digging up the, 
the ground in order to get the gold. Because they knew. Kosem Samim. Alchez et ham umakloya gidlo. Emelech loilech. Vekenu omer, ami beetso yishal umakloya gid. It's a puzzle. That, that the, the, the staff is going to tell him the answer to the question. Ma'onen, Rabbi Akiva Omer, Elu notnei onot. The people who, who are, who are uh, able to discern times. Sh'omrim onat plonit yafel ha'tchil. Now's the time we should start. Now you should plant. Now you should harvest. Like whatever it is. V'chachamim omrim elu ochazei ha'inayim. Ochazei in modern Hebrew is usually like what, what we call magic. They, they fool you. It's by, it, in other words, it looks like something, but really something else is happening. That's Ochazei Naim. But in the, in the Gemara, it probably meant that the, it was real. They were really able to make one thing look like the other or make something happen that didn't seem to be right. Menachesh pitod naflami piv, tzviv sik baderech, baklod naflami yado, and it was menachesh, is a person who explains things. He says, oh, you know why this happened, you know this happened. Well, people talk like that today also, right? I mean, it must be, it must be uh, God that told me to cross the street and meet you or something like that. I mean, people talk like that. You know, it's mamish idolatrous. You should try to avoid it. So that's what, that's what, the, uh, that's what this pasuk says. I want to mention one more pasuk. I want to mention one more pasuk, and that's this pasuk in Yecheskel, which will become uh, important uh, towards the end. Kina Eifu, see the pasuk in Yecheskel, the Dambi Yedehem, they did this Avera and that Avera, they, they did uh, sexual uh, misdemeanors and, and, uh, and they, uh, they murdered, they had blood on their hands. Let Gilu Lehem they Afu and they they did terrible sexual things. Gam et Benehem Asha Yaldudi Hevir Lehem Lalchla and Benehem. This is the part of the pasuk which we're interested. Benehem, their children, Asha Yaldudi, which they gave birth to them on my behalf. Asha Yaldudi, yes. I think that that's a reasonable interpretation. They passed them through in order to eat them. They did something really terrible. Okay, so we learned a little bit about we learned a little bit about uh, Molech, about the Avodah involved, about the prohibition of Lahavir Banavu Benotav Baesh. We saw that the Ramban thinks it's real. There's a real, real sacrifice here. And if I wanted to ask a very general question, I could say, well, but it's Avodah Zorah. It, it is obviously idolatrous. And there are many psukim in the Torah which forbid any kind of idolatrous uh, action that we might do, might do. So if that's the case, if there's a prohibition, if there's a prohibition against idolatry, a general prohibition, why do we need specific prohibitions about the Molech and about this Avodah Zorah, which seems to me to be easily included in, in Avodah Zorah? Right? There's no, no difference. 
So I want to remind you of Akedat Yitzchak. I remind you of Akedat Yitzchak. And let's look at the last few psukim in the story, right? Akedat Yitzchak, the binding of Isaac. You remember that? It's a, it's a high point of Rosh Hashanah. Even though we also relate it at some other occasion, but it's the high point of Rosh Hashanah. It sort of seems to make everything make sense for a lot of people, I think. But we'll try to make it not make sense. So here's Abram Avinu. He's standing there. Yitzchak is tied up on the altar. And he's got this ma'achelet, which I always imagine is a big knife. You know, like really big. Like the kind of knife you use to shed a big animal. Not a little chicken, but a big animal. So he says... He cried. So here's Aaron Reed is standing there, ready and willing to do God's bidding and sacrifice his son. And Malach Hashem calls out to him. Malach Hashem. Now we know we were sensitized by the Ramban to say to ourselves, oh, Malach Hashem? That's not Hashem. That's Malach Hashem. Malach Hashem is an agent, God's agent, which is like a lower level. It's not like God coming to tell Avram Avinu to stop. Who told Avram Avinu to, to, uh, to sacrifice his son? God told him. Not Malach Hashem. But here Malach Hashem, now what does this all mean? I don't know. But I'm, yet, but I'm sensitive to the fact that the Torah has changed the, the messenger. The conversation has changed. It's no longer between God and Avram Avinu, but it's between Malach Hashem, Min Hashemayim, Vayoma Avraham Avraham Vayoma Hineni. Vayoma Avraham Avraham, meaning, I think, something new. Something is going to come up now that was not yet spoken. Vayoma Hineni, Hineni of course means I am ready to do God's bidding. It doesn't mean, here I am, you know, or I'm on the phone, or something like that. It, it's an expression of religious devotion. Right? Aram Avinu knows that God did not send this messenger to talk to him about the weather, or how it is, or how are things. Or, but there must be something, something's going to happen. And so Abraham Avinu, who's sensitive to this, said, Hineni, Vayomer Hineni. Rashi, Rashi, Abraham, Abraham, Lashon Chibahu, Shekofel et Shemo. Okay, I could, I could believe that. I Means okay. Lashon Chibah, Chibah, Chibah is like one of those hard words. Uh, because, you, because we know exactly what Chibah is. So once you know what the word means, it's hard to explain it. Chiba means affection. L'shon chiba. When Rashi said affection, I'm not sure he, he, that I would know what Rashi meant when he said, what, what does it mean to be affectionate? And why is it that Abraham, Abraham is affection? So I'll tell you as an aside, right? The words of the Torah, according to Rashi, the words of the Torah are very significant. And every time the words in the Torah change, or there's a seeming addition, or there's something about the word that can be remarked upon, then that word means something. 
When doesn't the word mean anything at all? Abraham, Abraham. The extra word, in, in other words, it's not only that the Malach said Abraham, Abraham, but it's rather that the Torah reported that the Malach said Abraham, Abraham, which means that the Torah now includes a word which is unnecessary. It's an unnecessary word. And that for Rashi, that for Rashi is a problem. It's a legitimate question. How can you have an unnecessary word in the Torah? So Rashi says there's an overriding principle. And that overriding principle is called Chiba. And Chiba, just like love can make you like uh, do things that are a little crazy, uh, Chiba uh, produces a Torah which goes contrary to Rashi's own understanding of things. That's called Chiba. That's called, it's not like the Chiba is that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is willing to tamper with this principle that Rashi thought was so, so important. Shekofel et Shemo. Now we're at the Pasuk Yudbet. Do not strike out with your hand against this child and don't do anything to him. Now, finally, I know, that's what the, the Balak says, that you have got the fear of God in you. Something which is not true, you did not give up your son and, and deny him to me. But of course he did, because he didn't do it yet. I mean, it's like, you know, it's, well, it's, not, it's certainly not clear. Rashi. You bet Altishlach. See the Rashi Nishchot to slaughter him. Amalo in Cain Lechinam Badi Lechan. So he's Rashi. Rashi wants to explain, you know, like everybody thinks it was Kierkegaard. It wasn't Kierkegaard. It was Rashi. Rashi explains what happened. Amalo, Avram Avinu said to the Malach, I mean, maybe he wouldn't have said it to God. Maybe that's why the Malach was sent, because you could have a discussion with the Malach, right? Even though later on Moshe Rabbeinu has discussions with uh, with the Kodesh Baruch Hu. but here, what? Yes, yes, yes. True, true, true. Uh, no, I didn't mean to get into that. You're right. You are right. Amalo in Cain Badi It says, "What am I doing here? You mean God told me to come here for nothing?" There's nothing going to happen. I mean, I came to slaughter my son because I accept the the the, the divine uh, uh, command. But to say that I came all this way and I, I went uh, on a trip, I got up early in the morning and I took my son and I took the wood and I took the knife and it was all for naught. That really doesn't make any sense. He said, I know what I'm going to do. I'll wound him. I'll take my with a knife. I won't kill him, but I'll I'll uh, cut him someplace, and a little blood will come out, and then uh, and then he becomes pasul lekorban. Some it was the the uh, the animal that you sacrificed, the dinim of korbanot, include the fact that the sacrificed animal has to be tamim. It's to be whole. You can't be missing something. So if you cut, you make a cut in some place, 
and the blood comes out, so, you're, so you, that's considered, you're missing, you're missing the blood, and you're missing the, could be worse than that. It says, Otsi menem adam. Amarlo, al tas lo me'uma. So the angel says to Arabino, don't do a thing. Don't do a thing to the... So we see, according to Rashi, according to Rashi, that Avram Avinu was so, uh, uh, so much willing, was, was willing to accept the divine command in spite of the fact that it seems to us sometimes to be a little cruel and, and unacceptable. But for Avram Avinu, according to Rashi, was perfectly, not only was it acceptable, but he was willing he was willing to deny the malach, the pleasure of telling him not to do it. And he said, no, I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm going to do it anyway. The malach said, don't do it. And everyone said, okay, so I'll, I'll, uh, I'll make a mum, I'll, I'll bl- make a blemish in him, and that way he'll become pasu for being a korban, and then I won't have to, then I'll understand that I can't do it. Right? So then Rashi says, that's the meaning of the word. If you see Alta Uma, Uma, you see Mem Alevav, Bet, Mem Alevav Mem Yes. So in Hebrew, Aleph is a is a letter that tends to disappear in the pronunciation of words, right? You like sh- like the word for head in Hebrew is Rosh. Rosh is written in the Talmud very often Resh Vav Shin. It was the Aleph kind of disappears. I mean, we don't pronounce it. We don't pronounce the Aleph or the word son, sheep. It's spelled in the Tanakh, Tzadi Aleph Nun. But the Aleph doesn't have much of a position. So Rashi says if you take the word Meuma at all, something, and you just sort of erase the Aleph because you don't pronounce it anyway, it comes out to the word Muma which is like the word mum. So Rashi says it's actually, the, the Malach actually said it. You know, the Malach said it. It looks like he said me'uma, but he probably was, uh, didn't go to pronunciation one, two, the Malach. And so it sounded like mum. It sounded like muma, al taslom muma. Don't do that. Ki yadati, ki elokim ata. Ki yadati, Rashi. Uh, I want to say something. Yesterday, you told me, yesterday means in the past, that Yitzchak would be the father of my uh, seed, would be the, the children and grandchildren. Marta. Uh, and you told me, take my son and sacrifice him. Now you tell me, I shouldn't kill this young, this young man. So, so it's like I'm confused. I mean, I'm not confused about now. I'm not confused only about the sacrifice of my son or not sacrifice of his son. I'm confused about mitzvot. What do you mean that God tells you to do something, you don't do it? I mean, the whole thing is, I left me, left me in a state of confusion. That's what Avinu says to HaKadosh Baruch What's the point? What's the point of this exercise? Because now I will never know. 
I will never know if I should keep the mitzvah that God gives or ignore it. I will never know. So Rashi says, uh, Rashi continues and says, the first wide line on the sheet, lo achalel briti lo I will not uh, uh, denounce my covenant and the words that I said will not be changed. It was Rashi. So Rashi said, the Kodesh Bokh says, Abravina, look, you didn't get it, Abravina. I never told you to sacrifice your son. I told you, Haleyu Sham La Just put him on the, on that, uh, the altar. Put him on the altar. And then you take him down, you put him up, you took him down. That's, that's the, those are Aramaic words, right? Askate, take him up. Achate, put him, put him down. So I don't know. I mean, I mean, one thing you could say is that Rashi relates to the problem. Rashi relates to the problem of, uh, of Akedat Yitzchak. And the real problem of Akedat Yitzchak, Rashi, based on Chazal, is not, is Avinu a good guy or a bad guy? Is God good or bad? Like all those kinds of questions, not what Rashi sees. Rashi has an opinion about God, and that opinion is whatever it is. But Rashi says that there's a real problem that, that our issue, that the Jewish people have an issue, they want to get it right. They want to do what God wants them to do. Uh, that's what we spent the last 3,000 years working on, right? You know, like every Shabbos comes around and we want to get it, you want to get it right. There's like a, a lot of Shabbos in the, in the Torah. And according to the story of Akedat Yisrael, we don't know anymore. Because if Avram Avinu didn't get the idea that he's supposed to just put Yitzchak on the altar and then take him down from the altar, he didn't get that. So what are we going to do? I mean, what are we going to get? So we're in this, we're in this bind. We're in this bind about Kiyatai uh, Adati, the last part of the Pasuk. Mata yeshli mala hashiv lasatanu lomot so this is the answer to the question. What's the point? What's the point of the exercise? Everybody understands that Amr Avinu has the fear of God within him. And that way I can, I can talk to uh, the Satan. Which Satan is it? The Satan who, who said that Amram Avinu Armavino was circumcised at an older age, and Yitzchak at, a, at an older age. Uh, I'm sorry, at a younger age. Armavino, older age, Yitzchak at a younger age, and Yishmael came along and said, "You know, I wasn't circumcised until I was 13, and I bore the pain, whereas the child doesn't bear the pain." Yitzchak. So that's how. That's the Satan that we're talking about. That's the Satan we're talking about. Okay, uh, then Pasuk Yud Gimel, Vaisa Avraham et Einav, Vayarvinei Ayel Achal, Nechaz Besvach Bekarnav. So there's this Ayel, right? Remember the Ayel? A ram. Rashi, Hinei Ayel, Muchan Ayalakach Mishesh and Mebreshit. It was there from the time of the creation of the world. 
time of the creation, the six days of creation, it's a Mishnah in Pirkei, in Pirkei Avot. So I would... What? Yes, yes. They, I mean, the Mishnah in Pirkei Avot. Listen. <laughs> what, what are we supposed to learn from Akedat Yitzchak? What, what are we supposed to learn? So it's a mystery. There's a mystery involved in Akedat Yitzchak. And that is, why did God say to Avram Avinu, sacrifice him? And then God said to Avram Avinu, don't sacrifice him. And that mystery is explained by Rashi as somehow relating to an initial uh, misunderstanding by Avram Avinu. HaKadosh Baruch said to Avram Avinu, put him up, sacrifice him. That's what Avram Avinu said, and what God said. And Avram Avinu misunderstood. He thought that God really wanted him to sacrifice his son. But the problem with it, to my mind, the problem with that is that if there could be clarity in the world, if there could be such a thing, then wouldn't you expect that clarity to exist in a conversation between HaKadosh Baruch and Avram Avinu? I mean, can you imagine that HaKadosh Baruch Hu said to Avram Avinu, I want you to take your son and look, make believe. Well, obviously that's not true because if it was only make believe, then how would he be able to say to the other nations that Avram Avinu is special, he's willing to do what I told him to do. There's something, there's some problem here. There's some problem here and that, and it relates to the idea of the molech. It, is, it relates to the idea of the molech. You know, there's one other example. There's one other example, the story of Nadav Avihu, of somebody, of people doing the wrong thing, but given, given respect on a certain level for a spiritual endeavor. It was Nadav Avihu, they said, I wish we could do that. I wish we could be the Kohanim Gidolim. I wish we could bring the Torah sacrifice into the Beit HaMikdash. Yes, it was an H Zara. It was something that you can't do. They didn't respect the idea of limits, of the limits imposed by the Torah and Kohanim. But the reason that they didn't respect those limits, the reason that they had problems was because they saw something better, something that went beyond whatever it was that that they, that they thought they would be able to accomplish just following the rules. Now this is a real problem, as everybody knows. You know, anyone who's brought up children knows that this is a real problem. Like, you know, the limits that the parents understand as being obvious, the children don't always understand. Aaron Akoin and Moshe Abedin, they understood that the limits were absolutely necessary. The children did not understand that, and they did what they did, and then we have this idea right? that he was, not able, he was not able to respond. He wasn't able to respond. I think that Akedat Yitzchak is another example. To change your ringtone. No, you don't think so? She doesn't know that there are options. <laughs> uh, look, Aram Avinu 
HaKadosh Baruch said to Avraham Avinu, we're going to make a determination together that's very difficult. You're going to want to do something, but you're going to accept the fact that the limits don't enable you to do it. You're going to want to sacrifice yourself, because what is sacrifice after all? It means that I recognize the fact that everything that I have, at least in part, belong to HaKadosh Baruch At least in part. Now, according to Chazal, Adam Arishon understood that, but if you don't have to look at Chazal, we know about Kain the Hevel. Who told Kain the Hevel to bring sacrifices? Where did they get that idea from? So the way it's presented in the Torah, it was like the most natural thing in the world. If you know that there is a God, and you know that it rains because God wants it to rain, and the sun shines because God wants the sun to shine. So you can't avoid having this idea that there's a kind of partnership between me and God. That, that when I say that something belongs, to, something belongs to God, that means that uh, or something belongs to me, it also belongs to God. And therefore sacrificing, Sacrificing something to God makes a tremendous amount of sense. Now, in that case, sacrificing that which is most dear to me. And there was nothing more dear to Amravina than Yitzchak, not only because he was his son, and the son was born at an advanced age, etc., but because Yitzchak meant the perpetuity of the idea that without Yitzchak, the idea of Avraham would be gone. There would be no one to carry it on. I mean, we all know that. We, know we spend all of our time teaching our children. I mean, that's what we do. That's what it means, I think, to be Jewish. I don't know a better definition. Being Jewish is about teaching your children to be Jewish. And Avraham was willing Avraham was willing to give that up because that's what it meant to, to, uh, uh, to be with God. But HaKadosh Baruch would not have commanded Avraham Avinu to do it if it didn't make sense on some level. It's not possible to me, to my way of thinking, that Avraham just didn't understand, didn't get it. HaKadosh Baruch said to him, just put the, the kid on the, on the altar and then go home. Can't be. I mean, I know that Rashi says it. We could reinterpret Rashi a little bit, but without doing that, without doing that, it just doesn't seem to me to be possible. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu is saying to, to Avram Avinu, listen, there's a higher order. There's something of greater significance. It's when you give up everything for God. But that's not what God wants. God wants the continued existence of the creation of whatever God fashioned in the world. That's what God really wants. And the way we are taught that, the way we are taught that is Akedat Yitzchak. Now, it is also, it's also a fact uh, that the Molech, that the Molech, which was very popular amongst Jews during the period of the monarchy, that, that, that sacrificing children, as, as strange as it seems to us today, was not so strange, didn't seem to be so strange to the people who lived at that time. And that may be because of Akedat Yitzchak. I mean, if God said to Avram, I mean, they didn't have Rashi. 
in the, in the Mamlacha. They didn't have the Rashi. If God said to Avram Avinu, do it, that meant there was some kind of value added to, to this kind of activity. And that's why the Torah singles it out. That's why the Torah singles it out and says, Molech, stay away from the Molech, stay away from the Molech, don't get involved in that kind of Avodah Zarah because it somehow, on some level, for some people, made sense. It made sense. It was the thing that God told Avram Avinu to do, and therefore it made sense. Now, in this Ramban that we learned, we learned the beginning of the Ran, of the Ramban, I don't have it, I'm sorry, the end of the Ramban, I'll have to just read it quickly so you'll be able to understand. The Ramban says at the end, means a Kabbalistic insight, an insight that I get from, not from Chazal, but from uh, Kabbalistic literature. So he says, Zera HaKodesh Noladim Beveit Hashem. Zera HaKodesh, the, the children of sanctity, the sacred children, are born Beveit Hashem. They're born in the house of God. They are in the house of God. We know Chazal said that there are three shutafim to every birth, right? The father, the mother, and and the Kaddish Baruch So they are born in the house of God. Vizetam asher yalduli. Asher yalduli. You see that pasuk in Yecheskel. You see that pasuk? Kini afu v'dami nehem v'gulhem neafu v'benehem asher yalduli. What is asher yalduli? They're really my children. They're my children, the Kaddish Baruch says. That the Yeladim Asher Yalduli, the Ramban says, Hinea Makrivo Tola Molech, Mitame Mikdasho Mechalel Shmoetagos. You remember the Possum? The Possum says, If you do this, you defile the sanctity of the temple. What's the temple? The temple is the house of God. Who's in the house of God? The children who are born really to God. So that the reason, the rationale, according to the Ramban, the rationale for not uh, going on this path of superior spiritual devotion to HaKadosh Baruch Hu is because the children belong to God already. You can't give them to God. They are God's. I mean, if you, if you, you have a, a vineyard or you have a, some kind of a, a, a field where you, where you grow wheat or other stuff, well, you could, it's yours. It's yours and you can give it to God. That's why we make brachot. You say, I know it's really from God. I know it's really from God. I know that, but it's not obvious. But when it comes to children, the Ramban says, the children belong to God. And you can't give a child to a Kodesh Baruch. And that's why a Kodesh Baruch was so, uh, why the Torah was so kind of careful about this particular, this particular prohibition and said again and again, do not sacrifice the children because the Torah realized that Akedit Yitzchak was an opening. It's sort of like gave people the idea that maybe there was a higher spiritual order that you could achieve by, by doing this radical, this very radical thing where you give up everything, give up everything uh, to God. And this is, a, I think, an ongoing, an ongoing issue that religious people have, right? You know, the, the Catholics... Uh, you know, the monastic life and the, uh, you know, giving up a lot.
for the sake of, uh, uh, of their devotion, for the sake of their devotion to God. It's like made sense. It made sense in different ways to a lot of different people. And so I think that Akedat Yitzchak made it possible for people to think of themselves in the way of Avram Avinu. And, uh, and they didn't buy into the fact that the Malach said, don't do it, so you shouldn't do it. I mean, it's like Nadav Aviyu. They knew they shouldn't do it, but they did it anyway because they thought the benefit would be, would be tremendous. And so, Asher uh, Yodali, that, uh, that the answer to the question, according to the Ramban, is that the children already belong to God. You can't give them up to God. It doesn't make any sense. Okay. Have a good shot.